Hello, everybody. This is Grace, and you are listening to In Loving Color, Dating While Black. Welcome back. This season is already also what I would consider a very poppin' start. And I mean poppin' like, you know, Rice Krispies treats or like popcorn in the microwave. Or if you're really about that, if you're a purist about your popcorn and maybe you're popping it on a kettle, on the stove with some very nice butter or oil. I got some vegan butters for those of y'all who are interested in DM me and I can tell you what I'm using. But anywho, I digress. Today we're talking about dating while a black man in America. And it's July 2020, so this is a riveting topic, I think, on a number of fronts, mostly because we're in a very interesting place as a nation and as a world. And we're also going to talk about dating in the time of Corona, because, you know, I've been talking to everybody and they mama about dating in the time of Corona. But today we've got my friend Stephen on, and he's going to give us a perspective that maybe we've not had on the show this season. So Stephen, give yourself a better better introduction than what I just did. Yeah, so uh, so I'm Steve. I am in Portland, Oregon. been here for about five years. I'm from the Bay Area and I retired from playing football. So I had that sort of stereotypical, you know, uh, black guy went to college on a football scholarship, uh, tried to make it into the NFL sort of story. And, uh, and after that, I, I definitely had sort of a, a soul searching journey over the past 10 years since I uh, retired from playing and having uh, injuries and stuff. And, you know, I, I'm really, I'm a, in the tech space, I'm creative. I, I publish books and uh, animate and all that. Pretty much like a lot of the non-traditional like black people stuff, I do that, you know, and, and I sort of flock towards that. Um, but, you know, this is this has definitely been a very interesting time to say the least, because, um, you know, uh, I, I live with my girlfriend, you know, and we, I would say that we we've been living together longer than we've been dating and so uh and so it's been been a very interesting experience to uh to sort of see our the evolution of our relationship as we sort of learn more about each other as well um okay yeah you know you had me leaning in let me tell you when you had me leaning in you two parts had me lean in one when you mentioned that your interests are a little kind of non, um, non, you know, or or are atypical for a black man in the States. And also when you mentioned that you and your girlfriend have been roommates longer than you've been partners, maybe? Is that what you were getting at? No, we actually, yeah, yeah. I guess we've been, um, yeah, yeah. So we moved in together after three months of dating each other. Yo, sometimes when you know, you know. So we're going to pause on that because we're going to come back to that. Because, you know, I feel like I, I got to air out my laundry as a, as a Black woman. As a Black woman, and I think that some people would describe me as, there's nothing wrong with being like regular schmegular. So let's not even, this is not a judgment statement. But I think that there's some parts of my personality that maybe some people find unique right? Like I like action films. 
I like comic books. I love comic book movies. You know, if my friends want to show me they love me, they'll say something about Transformers. They, <laughs> they know that that is my love language. I recently adopted uh, a new dog son. His name was Almost Optimus. I was so close, y'all. So <laughs> close. Um, I, I am like obsessed with, you know, the jungle book. I, I always say I was my brother's best man at his wedding. And I've been a groomsman before. And the joke he always makes is like, he always wanted a little brother and he feels like he got one in me. So, <laughs> so I feel like, but I also, so, you know, I guess tomboy elements, but I also like to, you know, have, I, I paint my claws. Um, I like to wear bright lipsticks. I'm also usually barefaced and wearing gym clothes. I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm complicated and complex in a really good way, but I think that sometimes I don't feel like my archetypes are represented in the Black community, right? Because I want to talk to you about like shamans and shapeshifters, but then I want to talk about climate change. And then I want to talk about some ratchet music that Megan Thee Stallion just put out. But then I want to talk to you about like the United Nations new protocol that they released. And then I work in tech, right? Where people are known for being a little quirkier, but aren't necessarily known for like maybe being traditionalists in like a native framework or something like that, right? So I feel like I have a lot of complexities. And I think that when that shows up in dating, it makes it, not that it's not difficult for everyone, but sometimes I feel like it makes it more difficult because my intersectionality feels like it has more intersectionality and more nuance and more nuance and more nuance and all these layers I have to move through. So maybe tell us a little bit about that from the perspective of a black man. I think that black men are also in this boat because yeah. you're getting pinned down by this patriarchal system that's saying this is what masculinity and manhood is and yet we as Black people have different models, right? And, and we also have some limitations that get set on us by the system we work within. So what's that, what's, how's that show up in dating for you? Uh, so it, you partnered now. Yeah, it, it um, you know, prior to me, um, you know, meeting my girlfriend and stuff, um, it, it often, the, the question that often sort of came up was, you know, um, if I were to like date a, date a, date a black person, um, would the, the non-stereotypical things that like I do uh, be a turnoff for them? Ooh. You know, would they, would they, would they understand it uh, to a point where, you know, it becomes, it, it becomes a, an asset or attractive to them? And, uh, you know, because for me, I, you know, I animate, I'm trying to go to medical school, I, uh, I make comic books, mm -hmm. and I, I do a lot of like techie tech stuff. You know, prior to that, you know, I was to, you know, I played football, it was, you know, probably a lot buffer, I used to work out, I was fast, all those things that were like physically attractive. Mm -hmm. um, but now that I'm like, now that those aren't sort of, those aren't my defining features, uh, it really sort of comes back to me sort of uh, exploring those those non-traditional things that, you know, quite frankly, I feel like are a lot more acceptable now, uh, you know, like blurred culture, yep. you know, cosplay, yes. conventions, all that, like that's, but I, but I do remember a time where, you know, the things that I like enjoyed and did were not, um, were not necessarily looked at as, um, as like, 
cool things to sort of like share or talk about. Can we dig in here? Because I think you're saying, I hope people are hearing what you're saying. Because while you were talking, I thought about how I was so excited when Lord of the Rings came out. I oh, look, at so the tw- look at the Twin Towers. Okay, like, towers. Yeah. like life just couldn't, like I felt like life could not be elevated more. It came out when I was like a freshman in high school. And then the last one came out before I graduated. And I just, I felt like life had just hit a peak of Nirvana because those movies yeah. were coming out. And I remember I went to go see them at the theater. I went to see them with my, uh, my I had a set of really close friends, all white men, right? Yeah. And senior year, we even had like a Lord of the Rings marathon watching session because they released the extended cuts on DVD. Mm. So, and one of them literally lived down the street and around the corner from me. So my parents let me go sleep over at a house with like three other dudes. We were like 17 and they were like, have fun because (laughs) they knew, they're like, yeah, those are just friends, right? And I think about that now because now as an adult in my mid thirties, when I talk about Lord of the Rings, a lot of my friends, they eyes just be glazing over. They're not even listening. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting you say that because when I was younger, that was actually what was in my pool. I was an athlete. I was a jock. I, you know, I did theater. I did all those things. And I even did collegiate sports. But I found myself always kind of surrounded in the presence of white men. Yeah. I have, my friends call me the UN of dating. I have tried to date people of all ethnicities and backgrounds and mixtures of those ethnicities and I think it's all beautiful and all lovely I do find that as I get older I do gravitate towards people who identify as being quote-unquote people of color so not necessarily always black but of color because of of a piece of what you're saying is I feel like when I'm with them I don't have to explain parts of my identity and then at the same time I'm like but someone's gonna call me out for being a grown woman who likes transformers someone is definitely gonna maybe call me out for you know still being hype I'm still asking for that dvd box set of the extended uh like now it's blu-ray I guess lord of the rings trilogy my brother the other day was like are you still asking for this and I was like because nobody ever gave it to me I don't even have a dvd player like like yeah yeah you're right you're right i should just or for those of us who are trying to use up and up ways i guess i could just watch it on somebody's streaming service but that's, yeah. that's so that's my question to you is when you transition from football into art and into animation and into and and not even transition i'm assuming these were always parts of your identity right you just moved some from the background to the foreground and the foreground to the background and yeah. so when you did that did it change who approached you or who you were approaching romantically um yeah so there was a moment where there was a moment where like it was it was steve doing the weird stuff Mm. and then once uh and then once that once i sort of like found my voice and just said screw everybody else you know then uh then the attractive thing came from me doing the weird stuff and making it cool and right. then, and then the byproduct of that being more attractive, and and people looking to me to uh, essentially help them do weird, cool stuff, and so uh, and so it for me it, it it often felt like you know I was sort of in my like you know circle group or whatever of like football players and all that you know I was sort of the the thought leader in 
you know, non-traditional blackness. And, yes. and so anybody that was like looking to do any sort of entertainment related stuff, doing a YouTube video, a podcast, uh, you know, any sort of tech stuff, um, anything with books or comics or whatever, yeah. movies, uh, I was the first person that they were going to go to. Um, and, and, you know, that, that sort of, that was very interesting. Like when it came to dating, it, it definitely, you know, like I would say because I, because I had such a good rapport with people, like the, the idea of me was sort of just, you know, he's just, he's going to be doing some stuff, you know, he's going to be like directing a movie or he's going to be somebody in, in that. And so I think that sort of like played into sort of the people that like, you know, I ended up dating and stuff. But when I moved to Portland, I didn't know anybody. And so then it was just like, you know, I'm meeting people for the first time. And, and, you know, I sort of have to get over that sort of, you know, that, that initial priming that people, people are sort of used to. And honestly, like, it was, it was really like, for me, I like, I, you know, I'm the type of person where I'm like, I'm, you know, black or bust, you know, like that, that's that, like, I've gotten to that point. Um, just being, I love that. That's a t-shirt by the way, copyright that. Yeah. Like it's, you know, um, you know, because it it was just so many different experiences and, and dating people and stuff like that, where like, I was just tired of like, you know, I was tired of having to like explain something so that I could get the right support for an experience that I was experiencing. You know, like I'm walking down the street or somebody does, does something to me that's sort of racially motivated or, you know, has some sort of microaggressions associated with it. You know, uh, all I want to do is be like, hey, this is what happened to me and and not have to sort of, you know, like walk somebody down how uh, how I feel I need to be supported because often I don't really know. And so uh, and so for me, it was just like, you know. Like black or bus like it is, is. So, I, so I love I, I you know I've, I've found myself in one of those positions where I think even I'm I think a lot of people are on this journey where we've realized that we ourselves have maybe been a little not our own biggest fans right so yeah. black or bust I feel like is the best way to describe that where you're open to everyone but you just want the world to know black or bust okay yeah. and so that make that takes me to my follow-up to that then is your girlfriend black? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool, cool. Which it's okay, she not. I, I just personally was curious. I was like, how's this going? Because you know, there's been wonderful breakthrough individuals in black culture who have not been partnered with black people. And I am not of the variety where I feel like because Nina Simone had a white husband, her blackness is in any way questionable. Yeah, yeah, no. So, no. so I, so I, but I just wanted to, you know, I, pro- I'm nosy. I'm nosy. Yeah. And uh, yeah. prime minds want to know. I think, and I think for for black men in particular that are doing a whole lot of different things and probably moving conversations forward and culture forward, I think it's very powerful to see to see um, that reality of you know what you know black success looks like from a wholesome black perspective. You know that that that's something that you get to see with every other dynamic. You know every other culture. And uh, quite often, you you don't have the you, know, you often don't have the luxury to see that uh, uh, within black people, uh, within the black community. Um, not to say that not to say that it it overshine you know the numbers outweigh you know uh, you know like black couples and and their success, 
but I, I think just sort of the, the mainstream, the mainstream uh, promotion of it is, a, uh, you know, often goes by the wayside. You know, I think at least in sort of sports, we look at what Sierra, like Sierra and Russell mm-hmm. Wilson, yeah, and then, absolutely. you know, uh, and then Steph Curry and Aisha Curry. Yeah, I mean that's that's really it, you know. Uh, oh, Dwayne Wade, Dwayne Wade, and yeah, yeah, Dwayne Wade. But but that's that's towards the end of it, though. You know, like it wasn't like peak their career. You that's know? true. That's true. You know? Oh, okay. That's actually, I guess, as in power couples. But LeBron has been with his wife for a yes, while. Yes, yes, yes. LeBron, Carlo, Anthony, and Lala. Yeah. So, but but I think you're uh, so I think you're onto something really big, and this is going to be a broader conversation that we're going to continue, and I hope to bring on black men and black women and non-black men and non-black women to have this conversation in a forum. But you're speaking to the the part of the argument that I really want to to talk about a little bit more, right? And that's this idea that we don't see black love enough we don't see black love that evolves, right? In, in a kind of like a social consumption model, right? I think, yeah. you know, my parents are black people, they're together. Um, I know other people who have black parents who are together. But, and, and, and I know a lot of people from either blended households or two-parent households or multi-parent households where whether it's a mom and a dad, a mom and a mom, a dad and a dad, non-binary individuals, whomever it might be, where they're partnered, they're together and they're black or black identifying. And and even if they may be even able to pass as non-black, they identify and are black, right? And, And I feel like it's so beautiful. And I feel like in my own life, I see it. But when I go to social media or when I go to media like television, I don't see it a lot. And I think there's such a divide there. And what I hear a lot of people saying, and not just black women, because I feel like everyone gives black women a bad rap for this, but I've even had conversations with Caucasian girlfriends who will say, even to me, it feels like sometimes black men reach a certain stature or coming up in the game and they are not positioning themselves to even look at, let alone be with black women. And if they are, it's black women who maybe look a certain way. um, And I'm not gonna get into colorism and color politics because I don't believe in that, like you said, black or bust, Um, but but who maybe look in a way that maybe society is deeming more acceptable, right? So so I think that that's that's a huge conversation. But let's talk about that for a couple of minutes before we wrap up. Where do you think that conception comes from, that energy comes from? And why did you choose not to buy into it? Because, you know, a lot of athletes, this is the rap the black male athletes get. So, so yeah. what made you kind of pull from that? I mean, and it, it's, and so I have, you know, I have like a very interesting experience because, you know, I've like, you know, um, you know, dated, you know, uh, white, white girls or white ladies and, you know, Asians and, and Hispanics and all that. I think part of it is because I, you know, I played football at a predominantly white institution and um and i was also in grad school while playing and and you know i was starting and all that stuff so like that stuff sort of comes to you it's um and so it's really difficult for uh particularly like black athletes that are you know going to these institutions and and playing you know playing and then you know the opportunities for them to date in those like sort of you know critical moments in time uh are you know mostly white and so, and so like that, that sort of, that sort of compounds it. 
um, if there were more, if they didn't go to a predominantly white institution, they probably wouldn't be more likely to, to you know, uh, go down that path. Not to say it's wrong, it's just that that's what it is. Uh, for me, I seeing that, you know, seeing everybody that got drafted and everybody that's dating somebody that's white, you know, I was just like, I, that's just not something that, you know, I, you know, my experience sort of lends itself to. You know, I've, uh, you know, tons of experience with, you know, dealing with racism, microaggressions and all those things, uh, particularly, like, particularly from like white communities. And so, you know, that just wasn't attractive to sort of uh, invite more and more of that understanding that, you know, there might be some uncles, there might be some cousins, maybe some parents. I just didn't want to do that. And so, uh, and so I thought about that and I thought about sort of my experiences and, and what, what would make me at ease and what I needed to support it. You know, and and that sort of driven me to, you know, sort of narrowing down what, you know, where I want to, who I want to spend the rest of my life with, the type of person I want to spend the rest of my life with. And so what I did is I, I literally, you know, for me, I had criteria that, you know, people had to meet. And it was like, you know, because if you if you Google me, you can find stuff about me. You know, you don't have to. There's people that know a lot about me without even like meeting me. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I was like, you know, you, you know, you. You have to have you have to have more degrees. Like you have to have degrees. <laughs> you have to be you have to be black. Uh, I'm not going into like you know how you know how much black or whatever, but you know because my girlfriend is very very fair skin. Um, but you look at her, she's like she black, you know. And, black and black. Um, I got you. <laughs> uh, um, and you have to you have to you have to be able to keep up with me. Uh, and, and that's, that's, that's one thing that often, uh, has caused rifts in sort of my relationships is that I'll be getting awards. I'll be having people, you know, uh, do stuff for me and fly me out and do all these different things, uh, because I'm sort of in entertainment and, you know, I played and all that stuff. Um, and it, and it can become a, it can cause a rift in the relationship because they feel like I'm overshadowing what they're doing you know or and so you know for somebody like for for you know non for non-black people that i've dated it's very difficult for them to sort of you know uh look at that and try to one-up me you know they're just not like i just haven't dated a non-black person that's competitive enough uh to sort of keep up and i think that that's i'm glad you bring it up and that's probably gonna i know we're coming up on time so that's probably where we're gonna have to wrap up but folks we will continue this conversation steve will be back there is more <laughs> to say here but i think you just hit a big giant nail on the head with a hammer of truth black excellence for black people is not just about like accolades it has been about survival yeah we have all had to be excellent to get to where we got because a mediocre black person just doesn't rise through the ranks of anything. You'll never hear their names. There's there's a mediocre grace somewhere, but you don't know her and you won't because you can't thrive in the system we live in to even show up and be present. No one's even going to notice you. And so you have, I always say all the time, I always do too much. I know I do too much. Sometimes I try to stop myself from doing too much, but I don't know how, because as an immigrant and as a black woman, my parents were like, you got to always do too much. Yeah. People are going to look at you. They're going to hear where you're from. They're going to look at your skin color. They're going to see you're a woman and you will have to always show up, show up, show up. Yep. And I think that that is something that sometimes 
non-minorities do not understand because it's not been about survival for them. They have had the choice to excel should they wish. They have the choice to back down and just relax should they wish. Everyone should have that choice, but we have not been given that choice. And I think you're absolutely right. When I, part of the reason I struggled in dating is I'm like, you don't match my fire with fire. Yeah. I need you to match my fire and blow some oxygen on me and help the fire grow. And I'm going to do the same for you. Like, I'm going to support you through that. You support me through this. And I think that that's something that when you talk to other Black people, a lot of Black people, even the most mediocre Black person knows about this and knows how to tap into this. And it is a, I think what you're saying, it's, it's an actual cultural, spiritual divide more than a racial divide is maybe our race has in, in, had to encourage certain survival tactics, but mm-hmm. this has now become a part of Black identity that is really important to a lot of Black identifying people. Yeah. Um, we got one minute left, but what do you want the people to know before we wrap up? Like, what's something that you want people, uh, maybe a misconception or a, or a little known fact that you think is true of many you know, black male identifying people, like what's a truth for you you want the world to hear? I mean, you know, black guys don't always want to be the strongest person in the room. Ooh, yes. Like it's, you know, that that's, that's the reality. You know, it's like, it's exhausting. You know, mm-hmm. it's, you know, sometimes we just want to be spooned. That, that's, that's, that's right. That's what that's- it comes down to. I love it. I love it. We're going to end it on that note. Y'all heard it here. Maybe not first, but you heard it here anyway, is being Black and being male doesn't mean that you always have to be tough. Everyone should get to be soft and squishy like a really delicious vegan marshmallow anytime that they want to. So let's all be working towards creating a space, a planet, a, I don't know, a galaxy where people are allowed to be soft and vulnerable and they get to, I don't know, God forbid, be human. Um, so, or, or be a being, because there's some non-human people who are really sweet and squishy like my dog. So I want you all to have a great day. Thanks for joining us on In Loving Color, Dating While Black, and come back for more episodes because this conversation is going to continue. And if you want to, you can DM me at the internet, but specifically at a sprinkling of grace on Instagram or grace at a sprinkling of grace. You can email me.com, but don't no hate mail, please. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>